Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me for today's Appraisal Buzzcast. With me, as always, is our host, Hal Humphreys. Hey, Hal, how are you doing? Hi, Jim. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. We got a great episode for everyone. We're going to be speaking with Glenn Calderon on default appraisals. Let me bring him in. Hey, Glenn, how are you? What's up, Jim? Hello, Hal. Hello, Glenn. How are you? I'm doing beautiful today. Awesome. Um, and Glenn, just 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 for you know my edification, how do I mm -hmm. say your last name? Calderon. It's Calderon. A, uh, Calderon. Yes. Okay. Good. 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 Sure. Um, all right. So let's let's do this, Glenn. For the folks mm -hmm. in the room that don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about your history in the appraisal business. How did you find yourself in this mess of being a real estate appraiser? I uh, my real estate total background goes back to the late 1980s. Uh, when it was far easier to get an appraiser license than it is today. Um, however, at that time, I was a little bit more successful in the real estate sales side. So I kind of let my appraiser license go. Um, moved through that sales and sold that practice in 2004. Moved on to doing some default work as an a owning an AMC and a preservation company. Selling that in 2012 and then going on and doing some other things basically getting my starting my appraisal practice in 2015 licensing and certification took a few years as i had to go back and get it and i've been doing it here in frederick maryland since okay and tell me about valcom what does valcom do valcom is a uh, an appraisal company in frederick maryland we predominantly appraise um one to four family units for varied financial institutions private individuals and other folks. Okay, very good. Well, let's do this, Glenn. I'm going to take a real quick break and we're going to hear from one of our sponsors and we'll be right back. The Dictionary of Real Estate Appraisal, 7th edition, is a landmark text that reflects the depth and breadth of appraisal knowledge. Each entry, definition, and reference has been painstakingly researched and designed to reflect an expert understanding of issues that currently impact the profession. The New Dictionary is an essential authoritative resource for all appraisers. The Dictionary is divided into two sections, an alphabetical listing of terms directly related to real estate appraisal, and an addendum with topical glossaries and compilations of terms used by related real estate professionals. Find it at appraisalinstitute.org dictionary7. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Hal Humphreys. You're listening to the Appraisal Buzzcast. I've got Glenn Calderon here with me today. Glenn, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to be with us. Thank you, today, Hal. Today, we're talking about default appraisals. Mm -hmm. What is a default appraisal? Well, sometimes banks have to take properties back. Um, borrower doesn't pay. It comes back into their queue for defaulted loan. Now, there's many stages of default from its earliest stage of delinquency all the way through to a foreclosure or an REO property. We as the appraiser could be brought in at any time in there. Sometimes we're brought in at an early stage at early payment default where we might do a drive-by 2055 all the way through to the REO side where we're giving them as is, as repaired values, and the property is probably vacant. As an appraiser, you should be cognizant of your role under each of those scenarios and each of them are valued differently right and and tell me this how does how does a default appraisal differ from just a regular appraisal appraisal for mortgage purposes sometimes um default appraisers could be restricted 
because um, its sole purpose is for the lender client and it's not really going for anyone else. Um, as I said, in various stages, you're going to do the 2055 upfront where you're going to make certain assumptions as to condition based on exterior and so forth. You're also on the end side, you could be doing as is and as repaired values, which is going to be a little bit different than your standard, you know, 1004 subject to whatever type uh, report. Right, right, right. Um, let me ask you this, you know, sure. it seems like there's, there's a little bit of a, a difference in the way you might approach these. Um, is there, are these assignments coming through AMCs or direct lenders? How do, how do, how do these appraisals orders come to us as appraisers? There are a number of AMCs that have specialized in these defaulted loans. Obviously the larger servicers have more defaults. It's just, if you have, if you do more, you're going to have more. And then also there's what we call specialty servicers who specialize in the collections, default and special servicing area, which um, if you're going to be doing this type of work as an appraiser, you should be looking at your deed transfers and, and uh, shops that have mortgage share and go talk to them. It's early now. So you might even get some open ears to what you might be doing. Yeah. Okay. Um, so let me ask you this. Look, the, sure. the market right now is, um, you know, there's, there's still a lag in supply. So prices mm -hmm. are still pretty high. Sure. Um, interest rates have gone up. So activity has gone down a little bit, but the people that need to buy a house, there's a limited um, supply of, of property available in this kind of, I think I would best describe it as pre-transitioning market it's mm -hmm. not it's it hadn't turned yet but are we sure. seeing some more defaults right now there's some telltale signs sure okay talk to me about the telltale signs what they are and, and what you expect in the near future um right now defaults are at the lower end of the spectrum however there's a become there's a point whether that number is two percent three percent 4% default rates that are considered normal and existed back in the 80s, 90s, 2000. Now, those were normal numbers. Um, 2008, 9, you might have seen defaults rising up to 15, 20%. That was a abnormally high number. Perhaps a few years ago through now, maybe we're at an abnormally low number. But at some point, we're going to transition to a stable scenario where it might be 2 to 3% of loans will go into default for reasons like people lose their jobs, like people get sick, like people get divorced, like outside of fraud and, and other scenarios that might've fueled the last one. Right, right, right. Okay. Well, let's do this. I'm going to take a real quick break and we'll hear from sure. another one of our sponsors and we will be right back. LIA Administrators and Insurance Services, serving valuation professionals since 1978. We provide E&O insurance with a commitment to superior customer service, outstanding liability education, and unmatched claim defense, benefiting over 10,000 real estate professionals nationwide. Explore our exclusive appraiser liability education by Peter Christensen and cost-effective seminars designed to foster your growth. Our underwriters, with an average of 26 years of experience each, are dedicated to supporting appraisers. Visit liability.com to discover how LIA can safeguard your business.
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Appraisal Buzz. I'm Hal Humphreys. I've got Glenn Calderon with me today. We've been talking about default appraisals. Um, and these are appraisals that happen either in a foreclosure situation or leading up to a foreclosure situation. It could be, um, you know, Glenn, you mentioned maybe somebody's missed a couple of payments and the bank is getting a little bit nervous and they send an appraiser out to do a drive-by to give them kind of a feel of where they are in the process. Um, and that might inform um, how the lender proceeds with going through the foreclosure. Sure. Um, these appraisals, it seems to me, so when, when you've got a crazy market like we had during COVID, um, mm -hmm. where you know Nashville home values, that's where I live, Nashville home values were increasing rapidly. Uh, sales were oftentimes, the minute it hit the market, it was off the market. If yep. not before, they literally would put it in the MLS after they had the letter you know, yep. uh, of engagement to, to buy the property. In a situation like this, where there is a default or a couple of missed loan payments or something like that, it seems like the lenders that are ordering these appraisals really need to know what we have to say. It's not just file stuffing at that point. In all steps of the process, we're an integral piece. We're their eyes and ears on the ground. There's really nobody else at this point because there's no broker involvement. There's, there's nobody. It's right. the borrower who may or may not be cooperative and the lender. Um, and in turn, our providing the lender or servicer with a timely and accurate value and condition report, because the condition is just as important as the value, is, 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 is an integral piece in the early stages of default. Yeah. Okay, good. It triggers um, everything that goes through. Yeah, yeah. And and again, I think the, the point I'm trying to tease out here is a lot of times with mortgage lending work, um, I had a conversation with a lender one time and I said it was a super simple property in a situation where like literally there were 50 units that were identical and 50 other mm -hmm. units that were identical. And I asked you, the, the banker, I said, why are you ordering an appraisal in this? And he said, just because we need something in the file. <laughs> well, that doesn't make me feel like I'm a particularly useful person as a professional. Sure. It's like, I'm not just doing file stuffing, sure. but on something like this, where a bank is looking at the possibility of taking the property back, right? my work as an appraiser can help inform them of the right thing to do. Right. I think one of the things we have to remember, even in doing a 2055 how, and you're doing, oh, what's a drive-by? You still need to be very careful yeah. because people don't get out of your car. You know, um, don't go onto the property. For example, if it's in bankruptcy and you trespass, you could be jeopardizing the entire process. So yeah. there's things that you should know. Um, and in my opinion, in dealing with default properties and your private investigator job one is safety yes self-preservation <laughs> you know um yeah. and, and i think that's really really important even on a drive-by to be cognizant of what's going on around you um slow down i don't you don't need to get on top of the property to get a good representation of what's the property technology till it today will allow you to get, do a really good drive-by with 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 your tools yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. And, you know, 
for for the lenders and AMCs out there that are listening to the podcast, mm -hmm. I think it's imperative that we remind them that you know when you're dealing with a default situation, the appraiser is de facto putting themselves into a possible situation where they could sure. have a confrontation. Absolutely. Um, and you know, just for 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 the clients out there that are ordering these prop these um, appraisals, keep in mind that there there may be a heightened risk factor for the appraisers. For the appraisers, you know, look, Glenn, I, you've probably had this happen. I know I've had it happen. Sure. You're out. You're out, and I'm in Nashville and West Nashville taking photographs of sales, and somebody mm -hmm. comes running down the street saying, "Why are you taking a picture of my house?" If somebody is in default and they see you out there taking pictures of the house, they very well may confront you. So as an appraiser, be aware of your surroundings, have, mm -hmm. have an exit plan prepped and ready to go. Have your car pointed in the right direction. Um, having cut my teeth in the boroughs of New York city, uh, you, you just, you, you have, there's just as much risk on a drive by as a vacant property as an occupied property. All three of them pose risk, all right. of them. And you as right. the appraiser, for example, going to a vacant property, you just don't walk in. I strongly recommend any appraiser do a 360 around the property, walk around, see if there's any points of weakness. Is there any vandalism? Is someone in the house? <laughs> you know. And if you do recognize it, don't be a hero. Just keep walking, get out of there and inform your point of contact that the property's not safe property is not secure. And it, when it is, I'll be more than happy to go back. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Glenn, are there any other things that appraisers need to keep in mind when they're looking at taking on this kind of work? Well, I, I think you need to document everything when you're at the property because risk for the lender is one of the most important things. For example, vacant properties. We've been to properties where there's unknown containers at the property oil tanks, uh, asbestos, uh, water damage, discoloration. You need to, to go into these properties and they're gonna probably be on the, you know, lower C4, C5, even C6 condition. You need to be prepared to identify that, explain it, and also offer a possible cost to cure, remedy, whatever your client might want. So I think that's really, really an important part because understandably, you're not going to get many C2s. Uh, that's the reality. The majority are going to be the C4 and lower. That brings me to the, the, the kind of last question I want to talk mm -hmm. to you about is for appraisers, how do you handle as is value versus repairs in a default situation? That's the number one cause of client grief. The lender's grief is because they're ordering generally three value. They're going to get order three sources of value. They'll probably order a broker price opinion from the listing agent or another broker. They're going to order the appraisal from us. And they may have some prior appraisals, origination, other default appraisals, AVMs, whatever they may have. And all three of those are probably going to be very different. And I think what clients have to work with their vendors on is better defining the as repaired value because we have an as repaired value as appraisers we generally view it as putting the property in mortgageable condition high c4 type condition low c3 condition getting it ready 
to be an FHA insurable condition. The broker's opinion of as repaired is generally C2, spend the most amount of money, let's see what we can get out of this thing. And the client's is going to be somewhere in between. It's probably like a C3, put it into a Fannie Mae home style or Freddie Mac home, or Fre- uh, Fannie Mae home path or Freddie Mac home steps type condition, carpet, paint, renovate is needed. So it's the same property with three different sets. Of, imagine doing an appraisal on a retail house with three different statements of work. And you're going to yeah. get variances. It's just the way it is. And if, if, if the clients can give us a better definition of as repaired, their expectation, you're going to see the variances drop. Right. But if right. you're going to allow the vendor to figure it out, you're going to have three different numbers. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think you're right. Most look, most lenders are not going to go in and do a full remodel on a home to get it in a marketable condition. They're going to Correct. look at what my dad used to call lipstick and rouge. Carpet and paint. Carpet and paint. <laughs> um, Glenn, thank you for being on today and talking about these things. This is this sure. is a really interesting um, interesting idea for appraisers to think about. You know, when sure. my dad used to say, you know, this is a great business to be in. You mm-hmm. get them on the way up, you get them on the way down. Sure. Um, if, if foreclosures start to click up, if defaults start to click up, that means more work for us as appraisers. And I'm not saying that with, with glee. I'm just saying that's a fact. So I think, I think this is a really good thing to think about and talk about. It's a good business practice to have a diversified book of business. Yeah. No more, no less. Right now, it might be 1% to 5% of your business. Yeah. Who knows? It could be 20% of your business in 24 months. I, I don't know. If I yeah. knew, I wouldn't be talking to you, Hal. Let me ask you this. One final question, Glenn. If, if I'm an appraiser and I've been doing mortgage work, and that's really all I know, Mm-hmm. How would I go about getting some of this default work? I think going back, and there are a number of specialty servicers that specialize in these types of loans. In every market, they're different. They generally buy portfolios from performing lenders, and they are what they call scratch and dent loans. The appraiser needs to do a little bit of diligence. Yeah, No one's going to call you and ask you to do this for them. You need to go out and proactively market yourself. I, as an appraiser, I would recommend you have a sample appraiser appraisal to share with them of a defaulted loan to show them you know what you're doing. Similar to like an ERC appraiser, or like a relocation company doesn't want to hire someone who's never done a relocation appraisal. Right, right. Good advice. So, um, look at that. Yeah, I love it. Glenn, thank you again for being here. Jim Morrison, do we by chance have an anonymous appraiser question uh, for Glenn and me to noodle around to see if we can come up with an answer for it? Yeah, absolutely. And for those of you listening, maybe it's your first time, we always do the anonymous appraiser segment where you can send us questions and we'll ask our experts and get you a response. Just email us at comments at appraisalbuzz.com or put it in the comments below. So this says, I'm doing an FHA loan on a recently renovated home. It looks like they haven't finished the new back deck completely, but they've put up a temporary handrail around the part that is finished. Would you require them to complete the whole deck or is it okay as long as it's not a safety hazard? Um, I'm not an FHA underwriter, so it's hard for me to answer that. Um, I, I don't know if that's 
topical to what we're discussing. I mean, when you, for example, if you're doing a um, a scope of work is regards to doing an as is and as repaired, you're going to have to give your client a fairly detailed estimate. So to address your point before, Hal, in regards to not only getting the business, but you should also begin to develop a team that might be able to help you repair it. If you don't know how to do a repair estimate, maybe align yourself with a contractor or someone in your marketplace that knows how to prepare one so you can better uh, prepare an as-is and an as-repaired number. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as, as a private investigator, I tell my clients all the time, I don't have to be the guy. What you need to be is the guy that knows a guy or knows a girl who does the thing. I'm, I'm, sure. I'm the virtual Rolodex. So in the appraisal space, I've got this Rolodex of contractors of various types that I can lean on to give me, you know, to help me support cost estimates. You know, back during COVID, when lumber packages went up 300% and people were smuggling lumber in from Canada inside of a box of crystallized methamphetamines, you know, it was hard to come up with a, a reliable cost estimate, right? Sure. Um, so I leaned on my contractor friends to to bolster that estimate. Um, so yes, have a, have a Rolodex of people you can call on um, to help you with those things. Uh, we don't have to do it all ourselves. We just have to document our sources and where the information came from. So Jim, what I would say to this appraiser is, when it comes to FHA, and I'm not an FHA underwriter either, but I would say, you know, FHA, generally speaking, is looking for health and safety issues. If it's yeah. a safety issue, require it to be brought up to a safer standard. Um, if it's not, I, you know, I personally don't care what the deck looks like as long as it's solid and it's a handrail that meets codes and everybody's going to be happy with it. But FHA has in the 4000.1 handbook very specific guides for what they're looking for. So I would say, you know, think about it in terms of health and safety. Number one and number two, go to the 4000.1 handbook and see what it has to say about, um, you know, the condition they require for decks and porches and stuff like that. All right. Well, thank you guys. That's a great response. Well, uh, Jim Morrison, do we have anything else we need to cover today? No, I think we covered everything. Glenn, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Hal. And by the way, Hal, happy belated birthday. Why, thank you for that. I do appreciate it. I'm feeling older and older um, as the days go on. I finally clicked over that number that feels actually old now. You um, look great. Keep it well, up. You know what? The funny thing is I joke about it. I, I feel as good today as I did 30 years ago. Like life is pretty good. I'm, I'm happy with where we are with this business. I'm happy with where I'm in life. And, you know, the body doesn't do the same things it used to do, but mm -hmm. it's doing pretty good. Well, if we don't, what it's all about. Yep. If we don't have anything else, Jim, I'll bring it home on behalf of Jim Morrison and Glenn Calderon. I'm Hal Humphreys, and that is your appraisal buzz for this week.